Hello there, and welcome to the next episode of What You May Have Missed. For the second time already this series, we are off to a new country, and it's a long way away from last week's Korean escapade. We visited its neighbour last season in the very first episode, but this tale is very different to that of their Scandinavian cousins. This week, we are off to Sweden. Famous for ABBA, Volvo, the Northern Lights, IKEA, Alfred Nobel, Spotify, on which you may well be listening to this podcast, and the Skarsgårds, none of which appear in today's tale, sadly. Although this is a Swedish folk tale, that doesn't necessarily mean it originated in Sweden. The tale may well have been laid down in writing in Sweden. But at the time it was put down on paper, Sweden shared many characteristics with several of the other Scandinavian countries. This tale may well have originated in Norway or Denmark. Also, the name White Bear is a little confusing in this tale because he isn't actually a bear. I know! When I first started reading this tale, I was imagining a very aggressive polar bear. But no. He's a troll, a being that is a core feature of Scandinavian mythology so much so that they have a road named after them in Norway, Trollstigen, which means the Trolls Road. Anyway, given that this tale can be found in many a book regarding Swedish folklore, I am going to stick with the belief that this tale does indeed come from the land of meatballs. Enjoy! The Tale of White Bear Many moons ago, in Sweden, there lived a great king who had three strong and devilishly handsome sons, the youngest of whom was considered the most handsomest of all. However, the king was constantly troubled. When each of his mighty sons had been born, a clairvoyant had given him a prophecy that all three of his boys would die rather horrible deaths. Just what a new father wants to hear from a stranger. The brothers would often ride to the forest where they would hunt many things – bear, squirrel, rabbit, deer and pheasant. In the forest there lived a very wise woman, a hundred years old, who shared her house with a beautiful young girl, her great-great-granddaughter four times removed, or something just as distant in relation. The three princes were exceptionally fine young fellows and would stop in on the old lady to ensure she had everything she required. Our tale begins on one such day, after the three princes had just left their elderly friend and were heading back to their palace. The young girl turned to the old lady. My goodness, she said, those three were so deeply handsome and tall, they will surely be the greatest warriors the kingdom has ever seen. Tall and handsome they may be, but alas, they will all three come to naught. On their way back today they will perish. 
the old woman responded with a sad sigh. What? Why? How? What have I told you about asking more than one question at a time? The what is redundant and I cannot answer, but the why and how I can. On their way home, the wind will blow such a hooly that a tree will come crashing down and squash the eldest of them. The second brother will be killed by a kick from his horse when he attempts to stable it. How awful! the young girl wept. And the youngest? I'm getting there. He will be taken, kidnapped by a white bear. Oh, how I shall miss them! Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear! she wept. There is no way for me to stop the wind or the horse killing the older brothers, the woman said soothingly to the girl, but I will do everything in my power to save the youngest. Our good king cannot lose all his sons. Sadly, for the first two brothers, what the old woman had said did indeed come to pass. A storm built up on their journey home, and the wind blew with such force that it uprooted a tree that flattened the oldest brother, killing him dead. The second brother, in such a rush to tell the king what had happened, didn't tie his horse properly to its post in the stable. A crash of thunder spooked the horse, and it kicked him square in the chest. So far, a pretty bad day, I think you'll agree. The king, devastated at the loss of his eldest sons, kept his youngest under extra security in his bedroom. That night, White Bear came powering into the castle, trying to smell out the young prince. However, he was no match for the guards that the king had placed around his son, and White Bear was quickly dealt with. Right about now, you may be wondering... Why didn't White Bear attack the prince when he was in the middle of the forest? Why wait until he's safely locked up in the castle? Must be a bit dim. Well, the thing is, no, White Bear was not dim. Being a troll, he had no power during the hours of day. However, during the night, his powers doubled. It was all well and good the first night White Bear attacked, but the second night the guards too had to be doubled. White Bear returned the following night and was dispatched once more, thanks to the extra guards. You can probably see where this is going. Every night the king had to double his guard, which by night four, those of you who are keeping count, meant that there were eight times as many guards as there were on the first night. Quite quickly this started to get out of hand. Not only was the king losing a lot of soldiers on a nightly basis and in great quantity, but the number of men guarding his son was getting ridiculous. So the king decided that his son could no longer stay in the castle. He must ride away in search of protection from White Bear elsewhere. The prince did as he was bid, and at dawn rode into the forest. He reached the house of the wise old woman. Surely she would have some idea about how to keep him safe, he thought. The prince knocked on the door, and before he could ask the old woman for sanctuary, she said, Ah, I know exactly what you want. Come on, in you come. I've got a bed over there that should be safe enough for you. She whistled, and a large grey dog came trotting over. Good boy, Steel. Go out and kill some oxen. You need strength if you're going to fight White Bear. Off you go, there's a good lad. Right you are, barked the dog in reply, and off he went to kill some ox 
in order to build up his strength. Lo and behold, that night White Bear appeared at the old woman's house, but Steel was so incredibly strong from his enormous beef feast that the troll didn't stand a chance. "'Who's a good boy?' cooed the old woman when Steel came bounding victoriously back. Turning to the prince, she said, "'Well, that's all I can do for you, I'm afraid, but my two-hundred-year-old sister can help you. Get on your horse, and at the end of the lane take the right, then it's left, straight on for a seventeenth of a mile, then a right, a left, then another eighth of a mile straight, and her house is on the right. Take my dog Steel with you, and here.' She handed him a piece of paper. "'A letter for my sister explaining everything. Good luck, my dear young prince.' The prince ventured once more into the forest, trying his hardest to remember the directions that the old woman had given him, the dog Steel by his side. All day he rode, until eventually he arrived at a tiny cottage, far smaller than that of the wise old woman. He dismounted, walked up to the door, and knocked. A tiny woman answered, so small that the prince had to stoop to hand her the letter. I see from this that my young sister wishes I keep you safe from White Bear. I will do what I must. She fed the prince and gave him a bed for the night. Iron, she called, and her large red dog appeared. You and Steel go out into the woods and eat some ox. You need your strength if you are going to help protect the prince. Righty-ho, come on, Steel, said Iron. The two dogs dashed off into the late afternoon sun, and the prince settled himself down for another uneasy night. As darkness rolled in, so too did White Bear, but once again he was no match for the now two cow-filled dogs. White Bear was sent howling back into the woods. When the prince woke the following morning, he found the very old woman sat at her tiny table, finishing a letter. "'Ah, you're awake!' Sadly, there is nothing more I can do to protect you, but I know who can. Take this to my three-hundred-year-old sister. She's at least twice as wise as I am, so she will surely have some means by which to protect you. When you leave the gate, take the left, then right, straight on for about thirty feet, another right, right, left, and she lives on the left after another fifty-eight feet. Give this letter to her. It will explain everything and take my dog Iron with you. He can help. Trying to remember this new set of ludicrous directions, the prince thanked her for her help, bade her farewell, and set off on his horse. It took him a while to find the third sister, but eventually find her he did. It was hard to find her, as her house was so shrunken and small it was almost impossible to see from the road. He had to crouch to knock on the door, and when he did, the tiniest, most wrinkled woman he had ever seen answered. Wordlessly, he handed the letter over to her, and in a very high voice she said, Come in! The prince had to crawl in through the door as it was so small. Once again, he was found a bed. This one he had to curl into a ball in order to fit, and the three-hundred-year-old lady brought him some food. She then turned to her dog. Lion, you, Steel and Iron, will go and kill some ox. Eat as much as you can. You need to be as strong as possible to fend off White Bear tonight. Come on, lads, 
said Lion to the other two, and off into the forest they went hunting ox. By now, White Bear was incredibly strong, six times stronger than the first night and vastly stronger than when he had first attempted to slaughter the prince back in the castle. The fight that followed that night was the most brutal yet and went on for hours. Yet when the sun rose, the three dogs had managed to fend off White Bear once more. Well, the dogs have done their job for now, but that's all I can really do to help you. But I know where you can go. Let me guess, said the prince. You've got a 400-year-old sister who lives in an even smaller house and I have to follow another outrageous series of directions to find this house? The little woman looked at him. No, she said shortly. There's a lake at the end of the garden with a castle on it. That's where you need to go. Oh, really? Sounds easy. Thanks. Well, no. Here, take my walking stick. There is no boat to get to the island, so you will have to hit the water with my stick and cry out, Bridge, lead myself and my dogs, and water after me, and a bridge will appear to allow you across. White Bear's mortal enemy, the sea troll, lives in the water of the lake, so he cannot cross the water. She turned to the three dogs. You must never leave his side, do you understand? You must walk with him, sleep in the same room, eat in the same hall, and, yes, accompany him to the toilet. I thank you for your assistance and protection, said the prince, and off he rode to the end of the garden where lay the lake. Using the stick of the third sister, he struck the water and cried out, Bridge, lead me and my dogs and water after me. From the water rose an old wooden bridge that wobbled precariously on the water. The prince, trusting in the old lady, started out on the bridge, followed by his dogs. Turning round in his saddle, he saw the path of the bridge they had already crossed sinking back beneath the water. The prince and his dogs crossed over to the island and turned to watch the last of the bridge sink back into the watery depths. On the island... They discovered that not only was the third sister telling the truth, but she had, in fact, greatly undersold it. She had not told him just how magnificent the castle was, nor that there was a beautiful princess living there. As is the way in these kinds of tales, the prince and princess were at once drawn to one another, and in no time at all the prince had asked for her hand in marriage. How they married on an island with no one but themselves, I don't know, but there we are. They lived quite happily for a long time. Every day the prince would go out hunting with his dogs and bring back meat for their dinner, and the princess would sing, walk, tend her vegetable garden and weave to her heart's desire. One day, whilst the princess was on one of her walks down by the shore, she spotted a gorgeous little white bear on the other bank. Oh, how she wished she could have it! Oh, you sweet little bear! How I wish you could be over here with me. Can you swim over to me? Because, of course, we all know that you can talk to bears and they will understand you. Well, as it so happens, this little bear could not only understand her, but spoke back. Alas! he said in a ringing voice. I cannot swim across, but there is a way I can be with you. The prince's stick 
and create a bridge across which I can walk, fetch it and hit the water with it, saying, Bridge, lead the little bear over to me and water after him. Excited, the princess raced to the castle to retrieve the stick and back to the water where she struck it, saying the words. The bridge appeared and the little bear came trotting across into the princess's arms. Now, however, the princess was unsure what her husband would make of this little bear, and he would be back from his hunt very soon. Come, little bear, I must find a place to hide you. You could hide me under the bed. There should be a small enough space for me in there. Just please don't let the dogs in. I've seen the size of them from the other side of the lake, and they scare me. I'll see what I can do, she replied. The prince returned from his hunt soon afterwards. After he had washed, eaten, and they were headed to bed, the princess turned to her husband. Please, can we not have the dogs in our room tonight? After a hunt they always smell dreadfully. My love, I wish I could grant your wish, but I cannot. They must stay by my side at all times. They reached the bedroom door, and the prince opened it. At once in flew the dogs, barking loudly. They had smelled something new in the room. In no time at all they had discovered the source of the smell and dragged from under the bed the little white bear and tore at him until it appeared he was dead. The prince, praising his dogs for being excellent at their job, threw the limp body of the bear out of the window. As you can probably guess, the princess wasn't too happy about this. She lay awake for hours that night, mourning her beautiful little white bear. She desperately wanted to see it again, and so she left the bedroom. Down the stairs she went, and out to where the prince had thrown the little bear's body. However, when she found the spot, there was no body. Instead, there lay a lump of solid gold. She was entranced by the gold, and forgetting entirely about the bear, she picked it up and put it in her pocket. To get back into bed, she had to climb over the prince, as he had managed to roll over to her side and was taking up her space. But when she climbed over him, the piece of gold fell from her nightdress and hit the prince on the chest. Instead of landing on his chest, it pierced straight through it and out of his back, killing him immediately. Devastated about what she had done, the princess fled and hid in the forest whilst the prince's three dogs, ever faithful, lay down beside their master, crying. A short while later, two rats came sniffing out of their holes. The smallest rat saw the dead prince and, thinking there may be a feast to be had, scuttled over to his body. Steel, however, saw the rat and with one swipe of his paw killed it. Seeing this, the second rat raced back into its hole, returning moments later with a third rat that had, round its neck, a small bottle. She started to rub the oil from this bottle on their dead rat friend, and much to Steel's surprise, the rat woke up. Hmm, the dog thought. I wonder, does this ointment work only on rats, or will it bring my master back? Being a dog, and therefore much bigger than the rats, he took the bottle from the rats easily, who scampered away, and then he dripped the oil on the prince's chest, 
The moment the oil landed on him, the prince's eyes flickered and his lungs filled with air. The ointment had worked. The prince, though, sensed that something had changed. He realised that he now no longer needed to remain on the island. He was free. And so he left the castle with his three dogs and the lump of gold which he now carried in a handkerchief down to the lake. He threw the gold into the water with all his might where the sea troll swallowed it whole. The prince was in danger from white bear no more. He struck the water with his stick, raising the bridge, and went at once to the house of the three-hundred-year-old woman, where he told everything that had passed. Yes, I know this. I was the first rat that Steele so kindly specked on the head, you see. Without me, Steele would never have known that bringing people back was possible. Thank you for everything, said the prince. He returned Lion and the magic stick to the three-hundred-year-old woman, and made his way to the second sister, the two-hundred-year-old woman. When he arrived at her house and told her his tale, she said, Yes, I know all this. I saw Steele kill the first rat, and it was I who fetched the rat with the ointment. If I hadn't been so brave as to come back into the room with these dogs, you'd still be there. Thank you for all your help. He returned Iron to the old lady and headed towards the house of his old friend, the one-hundred-year-old woman. By now he had figured out what the old lady had done for him. You had the ointment that brought me back, didn't you? From the bottom of my heart, thank you. She welcomed him into her house with open arms, and for there he stayed a while, recovering from all that had befallen him. The old lady's young and distant relative was still living there, and during his stay at his friend's house he fell deeply in love with her. By now, of course, he had forgotten all about the princess from the island who had inadvertently killed him. After many days of recovery, the prince returned home, taking the girl with him. The king, who had never thought to see his youngest son again, was overjoyed and commanded that there be a great feast to celebrate his son's return. And so a lavish feast was laid out, and the whole kingdom was in celebration. The prince married his new sweetheart, and together they lived happily to the end of their days. And there we go. Another eccentrically wonderful tale, this time from Sweden. What did you think of it? A tale definitely very different to their Norse neighbours, but no less enjoyable, I think. If you have any questions, you can always email me at themythspodcast at gmail.com or tweet me on at mythedpodcast. I even have an Instagram now, and you can find me at what you may have mythed. Next week, we return to a place we have visited before for two tales that are just as quirky and wild. I shall see you then for another episode of What You May Have Mythed.